Welcome in to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Warkel, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for Rivals.com. We're going to talk a lot of Wisconsin basketball today. Jake Kosarowski of BadgerBlitz.com, one of the senior writers on the site, will join here in just a couple minutes. We're going to dive into Wisconsin basketball. What continues to ail this team? Why has Wisconsin not been able to get over the hump? and dive into some different topics and a different opinion. You've heard me talk quite a bit over the last several weeks and really the last several months about why Wisconsin continues to struggle and be inconsistent. We saw that again on Tuesday night, an incomplete 40-minute game where Wisconsin, I thought, energy-wise, played pretty well and did some really good things, especially in the second half. But it's the same old story with this team. They shot under 42% for the seventh straight game. They shot under 40% from three for the seventh straight game. The Badgers simply cannot get it done against the top half teams in the Big Ten. Wisconsin has yet to beat a team uh, currently ahead of them in the Big Ten rankings. And this team is six in the conference heading into the final weekend of the regular season, heading into their final game at Iowa on Sunday. And last time I checked, Wisconsin is ranked below Iowa in the Big Ten standings. And the first game against Iowa didn't go so well just a couple weeks ago. Wisconsin was down 11 points within the first couple minutes and trailed for all of 37 seconds. I think the game was tied for 37 seconds, and Iowa led the rest of the way. Wisconsin has played behind too much against top teams in the Big Ten and can't get over that hump. We saw that over the weekend, last weekend against Illinois, where the Badgers were headed for another ugly loss if it wasn't for Demetri Trice scoring 19 points in about two minutes and change to at least make the score respectable. But like we saw against Illinois at home, like we saw against Purdue, Wisconsin just doesn't have enough firepower to be a complete team through 40 minutes, and especially in crunch time. Against Purdue, Wisconsin had opportunities late to make a big defensive stop, and they couldn't do it. Uh, Zach Eady, Purdue's very talented 7-4 freshman, had a career-high 21 points, helped Purdue out-rebound Wisconsin 37-27 and dominate points in the paint 36-20. Two big plays were evident of that. He assisted to on a layup to Eric Hunter Jr. with 2-14 remaining after Wisconsin had cut the deficit to 65-64. And then after Trice forced a three-pointer, it was partially blocked. Not a great shot selection. Trice struggled all game long. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Travian Williams, who just had nine points and seven rebounds, which is pretty good considering he led Purdue in both points and rebounds, but he put Nate Reavers in the spin cycle for a big dunk after that block. So instead of the game being tied, Purdue went up 69-64 with 42 seconds remaining. Nate Reavers played okay uh, considering all the struggles that he had been going through. Reavers had to play a lot of minutes and seemed to get in a pretty good flow in in the first half. Micah Potter was virtually on a milk carton in this game. He had foul trouble, did not play very well. Still made double figures in scoring, but still, he was pretty much a non-factor in this game. That's encouraging for Wisconsin that Reavers, who is just averaging a little under nine points per game this season, has taken a big step back. That's been talked about quite a bit. Tino, he hit his first three shots. He scored eight points in 15 minutes. Wisconsin needs that from him because, frankly, Demetri Trice is going to be the focal point of every team's scar report From this point forward, he's been the only one who has consistently scored this season. Even when he doesn't score, he's still making plays. His assist-to-turnover ratio is is phenomenal. And Trice had no points in the first half on three shots. He was just off his game because Purdue threw double teams at him, ran him off screens. And so Wisconsin needs other players to step up. And the Badgers got that sort of. I mean, Brad Davison 
delivered a game-high 10 points at halftime, three assists and no turnovers, did some good things. Aleem Ford, who entered the game three for 24 over his last three games, he had five points and delivered a huge layup through traffic right before halftime that cut a lead, uh, produced lead to two points. So, I mean, there's encouraging things to look at here. But still, Wisconsin can't put together a complete 40 minutes on both ends of the floor, and they can't play teams that have really good low-post players. I mentioned Williams and Zach Eady. That's a trend that extends to Kofi Colburn of Illinois. Colbert had 19 points over the weekend, and that victory for Illinois at the Kohl Center. Hunter Dickinson, uh, the Big Ten champion Michigan team that, that, that clinched that title on Thursday. Uh, he, he was a thorn in Wisconsin's side all season long. Uh, I mean, the list goes on, uh, you know, E.J. Liddell of Ohio State and, you know, so on and so forth, that Wisconsin just, for whatever reason, just cannot match up against these these top teams in the Big Ten. But more importantly is, is the shooting. The shooting's been off all season long. It can't be fixed. It hasn't been fixed. And that's frustrating, I think, for a lot of fans. It's especially frustrating for head coach Greg Gard, who's kind of run out of things to explain why the shots aren't going in. You watch the tape objectively these are good shots these are open shots by players who have hit these shots before and they have no confidence it's all between the ears for this team how they just cannot find a rhythm team-wide pretty much from the perimeter and uh, some of the, the decision making too with this team has has just failed constantly Wisconsin gets rushed too many times we've seen that with their numbers when they struggle around uh, the rim uh, we've seen that with players uh, forcing shots that don't need to be forced in the in the first uh, the last minute of of the game. I think it was not just Demetrius Trice uh, forced a shot. Brad Davison panicked when he was boxed in around the perimeter too. I mean, these are two senior players that played a lot of minutes, and we're seeing players force things that aren't there. And that's why Wisconsin's sitting where they're sitting. They're sitting at uh, 16 and 10, 10 and 9 in the Big Ten. Uh, they need to avoid uh, losing Iowa, otherwise they're going to finish 500 in the league. Wisconsin's probably looking at a sixth or seventh seed in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, if Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Maryland all tie, Wisconsin gets the tiebreaker with the sixth seed. Uh, if Maryland and Wisconsin tie, Wisconsin will be the seventh seed. So uh, Wisconsin could play Indiana or Michigan State. They could play the winner of Penn State and Nebraska. And then you're probably going to play Iowa or Purdue again. So, you know, no matter who Wisconsin plays, if they win their first game, that's a big if for this team. You're going to face a team that's, you know, taken to the woodshed already this season. And I said before, I said, I think after the Illinois game, I think Wisconsin is going to end the season on a three-game losing streak. Uh, so far, I'm close. Uh, and I think that they're going to go one-on-one the Big Ten tournament, and then they're going to be in that six – uh, 11, 7, 10, 8, 9 game. Right now, Joe Lenardi, Joey Brackets for ESPN, has Wisconsin on the six seed line. Uh, that was of March 4th, so that was of Thursday. I think if Wisconsin loses to Iowa, it won't hurt them uh, tremendously because Iowa is ranked so much higher than Wisconsin on the seed line. I mean, you look at uh, the unofficial uh, Joe Lenardi seed list. He has Michigan and Illinois on the one line, Iowa and Ohio State on the two uh, Purdue on the four, uh, and then Wisconsin uh, on the six, uh, and then kind of going down from there. Wisconsin's best win is over Loyal Chicago right now, and Loyal Chicago is on this is an A seed in Joe Lenari's projected bracket. So Wisconsin doesn't have a great resume in terms of quality, uh, in terms of a, a I should say a signature win, 
their quad one and quad two games are okay. They don't have any bad losses, but they've just continued to fall short of these games. That's not news to you, certainly. And so and I think Wisconsin, if they can go one one the Big Ten tournament, probably a seven seed. You know, I, I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt in that 7-10 game. The 10 seeds right now are, according to Joel Lenari, State, Bonaventure, Rutgers, Louisville, and North Carolina. Wisconsin wouldn't play Rutgers because of the Big Ten or Louisville because they played them in the non-conference. So maybe North Carolina, that kind of would be an interesting matchup. Uh, but then in, in that 2-15 game where Wisconsin would have, probably have to play a 2, Houston or Alabama, I give Wisconsin very little chance. Uh, to advance beyond that because they haven't made shots. Now, if this team would make shots, they can compete with anybody. But this has been a two-month-long drought here where they have not fared well against teams who are, quote-unquote, better than they are, who have better profiles, better resumes. And I have a hard time thinking that if this team hasn't flipped the switch by now, what makes that? What makes me believe they're all of a sudden going to flip the switch once the bracket comes out? So you've heard me ramble on about Wisconsin. I want to bring in uh, Badger Blitz senior writer Jake Kosarowski and kind of get his vantage point. And Jake, I've been talking on this podcast for ages about about what the problems are and, and why they don't seem to be fixable. So I want to kind of get your opinion on, on Wisconsin basketball. That th- this team that we saw win eight games in a row a year ago with pretty much the same cast of characters, my, minus Brevin Pritzel, just for whatever reason can't figure out how to put the ball in the basket um, and play a 40-minute game. They haven't played a 40-minute complete game pretty much since Christmas um, against Michigan State. From your vantage point, what's wrong with Wisconsin basketball and why haven't they fixed it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, can, we can point towards the shooting, and especially from you know, three-point range. We've, we've mentioned, I think, I'm sure you've, you know, you've mentioned that ad, ad nauseum, uh, and, and we've talked about it um, plenty uh, there too where even you look at what happened this past you know against Purdue where you know they, they're just shooting poorly from beyond the arc right now and uh, I'm bringing up the stats right now and, and they're not pretty where you, you shoot 3 of 17 from deep in the second half uh, you end up under 25% again from three point range it, you know it, that's and you, the majority of your shots 29 of the 57 so over half the shots that you're, you're, you're shooting deep uh, and a lot of them are good looks, though. I think that's another thing, that they're not hitting open looks. Um, I think it also goes back to, uh, you know, Nate Reavers having a, you know, Granny scored uh, in double digits against Purdue, but him not having necessarily an outside shot as much, uh, going back in that, and just the inconsistencies there. Uh, and not, not just him, too. I don't want to just single him out, uh, you know, and whatnot, but... Uh, you know, it, it, that points to other factors. So just some kind of defensive breakdowns, and you, know, you talk about last year's team, this year's team. You know, Bradley Pritchard was a huge factor, and it's just one of those things in my eyes where, and now he's doing really well overseas. But I think Asher Lowe, a former intern uh, for Badger Blitz, you know, he called it out. I think just talking about Bradley Pritchard himself, and just you know what he meant to the team last year as well. So I mean, it's it, you know that's why it's, it's always hard. Where and you hear Paul Chris going for football talk about it then, where you know, every team every year is different. You know, it's not you know it's not it's, there's different chemistry. There can be different chemistry, and even though there's so many returning starters here, you know, there's also a pandemic, uh, which I mean, you know, it, this is uh, it's way on all of us. I'm, I'm not trying to use that as a, as a scapegoat excuse, but um, you know, it, we are in an unprecedented precedented times too so there's, there's a lot that goes into you know i think what's happening this year and um you know the, the bright spot they i think they can still go against a lot of teams it's just they have to find the biggest thing for me is just finding that shooting and then just making 
you know, timely rebounds down low uh, and, and get, you know, and making sure that they can secure those rebounds and those second-chance opportunities for opponents. Yeah, I think I think talking to Travis Trice Sr. a week ago, leading to the Illinois game for the piece I wrote for the site on, on Dimitri was really eye-opening to me in a lot of regards in that he talked about how big the mental uh, stress of all this is really weighed on the players. And, you know, you get it, too, because, you know, we're in this. You know, we both have young kids. We're doing homeschooling. We, we know about the stress. There's a lot of people out there that have it way worse than us. There's a lot of stress going on and that, you know, these guys are out there playing basketball, and it should just be simple, but it's not. I mean, you have your teammates and no one else. You're isolated in this bubble pretty much since the summer, so you can play basketball games. And... You know, the Kohl Center has been such a vibrant place for so many years, and to lose that edge at home of not having the fans, I think, has been telling at points. Because, face it, I'm at these games, and there's not a lot of energy coming from Wisconsin's bench compared to some of the other teams that have come into the Kohl Center. I've, I've, wrote, I've wrote about before, Maryland was high energy, Michigan, Illinois, these teams are very high energy on the bench, and Wisconsin just... It, they don't have those rah-rah cheerleaders on the bench to really get them into the game. And so you lose 17,000 fans in your corner for just five or six. It's tough when shots aren't going in because you have you don't have that crowd to really rely upon the big plays. And the other thing that I think has been telling is that last year's team was backed into a corner. I mean, we remember all this stuff going on. Kobe King left the team. Eric Helen was uh, fired from the team for a racial epithet. There's all these issues going on, swirling, and it just basically, they were backed into a corner, and that's when you're almost the most dangerous, when your back's against the wall and you have nothing to lose, and they played like it. They played great those eight games, and this year's team had so much expectations on them I think it just weighed them down, and without that outlet, without that fan outlet to plug into, it just has been kind of flat. And I don't think anyone's really to blame for it. It just, in my opinion, that's just how this season has gone without that conduit to plug into to get that extra boost from the fans. If, if the Cole Center is packed, they might beat Michigan a couple weeks ago. They might beat Illinois. They might play better against Iowa. Who knows, but... I can say I, I feel pretty confident saying this team would not be five and five in Big Ten home games if the if there were seventeen thousand fans in the stands. No, I agree with that absolutely, and it's just one of those things where you know, that's what makes the Cole Center you know so special. You've covered the the program for you know over what fifteen years now, and uh, you know I've you know, been covering games now for you know well I'm not covering games this year uh, in person, but before that I was you know two three seasons prior. You can feel that energy and uh, and whatnot, and it's. If you see, it does make a big difference. And even just, you know, gosh, for, for Purdue, you heard, you know, just some fans in there. I don't, I don't know. I forgot exactly if it was just family or whatnot that was other in, you know. Yeah, uh, just family. For, just family for Purdue. But even that, you, you're hearing uh, a lot of noise and whatnot. And uh, it's it just, it, yeah, it, this entire season is just weird. That's why, you know, I know there are a lot of high expectations heading in for this season, and, you know, you're also seeing other big-time programs throughout the nation with, with Kentucky and, you know, Duke, and, you know, you heard about, the, you know, Jalen Johnson opting out and whatnot. Just, you know, those big-time marquee programs are also just, you know, experiencing things uh, that are not precedent for them, and you think Wisconsin, you know, I think it could be a symptom there where uh, this team, you know, you know, it's still, it, the pandemic's just, 
has waged a lot on a, on a lot of people. But it, um, I am excited to see if they can bounce back. Uh, we'll see. I think this team still has a, a lot of uh, talent with, you know, Trice. And obviously what he's done uh, has been nearly Herculean uh, past few games and what he, you know, what he can do. Uh, especially uh, you know, a couple of games ago with those 19, you know, 19 points uh, in the last you know two three minutes, but he you know I still think Michael Potter is a huge inside out presence. Uh, Tyler Wall is scrappy down underneath. Nate Reavers when he's on from both inside and out. You know right now he's shooting what, 125 percent from three point range this season, but last year he was shooting about 34 35 percent. You know if he can climb that back up, he's still a big threat there. It's just if they can click. Uh, that's where I, in my head, like this team can can compete against anybody. When they compete, or uh, when they click, and the chemistry is there, and they're able to, uh, you know, shoot well, you know, they're they can win a bunch of those games that they lost, you know, you know, in Big Ten play. So let's uh, we'll see if the, the light turns on come up this weekend against Iowa. We'll see what happens with the Big Ten tournament uh, and beyond as well. But you know, and I think it also even goes to to lean forward for that matter. Where I, you know, I still think he's a huge X factor. Where if he's aggressive. Down low, and if he can shoot the three uh, like that, like I said he's one of those typical Wisconsin big men that can go inside and, and out. Uh, we, we saw last year just what he could do, uh, what an effective lean forward and aggressive lean forward can do uh, in a stretch run. So you know if they can get a couple of parts moving, the team's still dangerous, and they, you know and they can still make a run. Uh, we'll just see what what happens coming going forward. Yeah, lean four was the reason they they beat Michigan State at home last year after Kobe left, and look, I think Aleem just kind of felt free that he could shoot and not be worried about getting pulled back to the bench because there was no one on the bench, and, and I think that allowed him to you know, kind of play fearless, and the numbers bear that out. And this is, I was thinking about this earlier. This is kind of a a bold take and a hot take kind of mixed into two. Um, because I think if you take this year's team and how it's constructed, but you put them back four or five years ago, I think this Wisconsin team, in theory, could be top three in the Big Ten and would compete for a Big Ten title. And the reason I'll explain is why. This is a Wisconsin team of the Wisconsin teams of old, where they had three quality guards, you had two low post players, who could pick and pop, and you could do different things. And that way Wisconsin recruited and played was different, and it was hard to guard and hard to defend because Wisconsin did so many things really well. Well, this is a new Big Ten now, and this Big Ten is deep, it's talented, and it's guard-oriented. There's a lot of really good teams that have primarily a four-guard lineup, and even average teams that have a four-guard lineup, like a Maryland who has used four guards. Penn State is kind of the same way. And Wisconsin does not have the personnel to match up with that because Tyler Wall is still undersized at that position. Uh, and you have some other issues with, with Potter and Reavers who they can't guard those multiple guards. Um, and that's why we haven't seen them play a lot on the floor the last 14, 15 games. It almost is a way, kind of a wake-up call to a degree, in my opinion, that guard has to change the change how he's going to recruit because you can no longer in the Big Ten play with two quality forwards that aren't playing at a great level. Two average forwards who aren't good on both ends of the floor aren't going to cut anymore. Micah Potter, very good offensively, but is struggling defensively. Nate Reavers, better defensively, 
and like you said, he's kind of been a wreck offensively. Do you think that this season is kind of an indication that Gard needs to maybe reapproach things in the recruiting trail to try to get them more mobile and less of the Wisconsin teams of old with those forwards, multiple forwards on the floor who can pick and pop? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, the game changes so much, and, you know, even you, you talked about how <clears throat> the old Wisconsin teams were. And, uh, you know, I think the game changes, and, and I think every year, not just every year, but, you know, there's that just a, a wave of years, seasons, where you see, like, the different, you know, and, and Maryland was a key example, like you mentioned earlier, um, and even just the energy off the bench there, there's, there's enthusiasm. But when it comes to, I think with, you know, uh, with, the potential of Warren Bowman. Uh, I know that, you know, uh, Raul Vasquez, the, our uh, staff writer, you know, got a hold of UW and you know, they had their official response about, about Warren. Uh, you, know, if, you know, if he, you know, returns and then you, you see someone like a Chucky Hepburn, a Matthew Morse, uh, a Chris, you know, Chris Hodges, uh, you know, Marcus Eider. I think this next upcoming class is really good. Um, I think who they're approaching in the 2022 class and, and beyond, uh, I think you can see that more. Uh, and even just, you know, someone like a Johnny Davis, who's very athletic, uh, can, can move, uh, create his own shot. Uh, you know, you've seen him take shots that, uh, you know, may, you know, not seem, you know, maybe, I don't know, I say rushed, but uh, at times where, you know, he'll, he'll take the ball and, and, and go with it. And so I think you can see some glimpses of, of what this team could bring, you know, could be down the road. Uh, and, and whatnot, but you know, we also still too, you know, they, they still want to preach defense and uh, and make sure that you know they're, they're recruiting the, the, the type of players for the program that's that's made them successful, uh, you know, for the past twenty some odd years. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Ben Carlson and and Stephen Crowell will will develop as well. I mean, we saw Carlson early in the year had 13 points in the opener and then had a lower leg injury, and we haven't seen him since December. Hasn't really gone through a full practice since. You know, Stephen Crawl, uh, Greg Gard, has he praised on him uh, quite a bit as well. So I think the future is bright there, but I, I just think you need more mobility at the forward spots. Um, and I think Potters was a, a nice addition, a needed addition for this team uh, when he was able to start playing last uh, two Decembers ago, was one of the big reasons Wisconsin won the Big Ten last year. And I think maybe if Nate plays at his career averages, maybe it's a different conversation. But it just has been really telling this year that Wisconsin hasn't had you know, that lineup that can defend four guards consistently, and they haven't had a lineup that can match up with some of the best forwards in the country. I mean, think of all the forwards that have just taken Wisconsin to task here. Um, you know, Luca Garza in the first meeting had 30. Uh, you look at uh, Kofi Colburn of Illinois, uh, two really good games against Wisconsin. Uh, E.J. Liddell of uh, Ohio State. Uh, you know, Purdue, uh, they're two big forwards. You know, Terrence Williams, not a great game, but, but Edie, a career high in scoring on Tuesday. So, I mean, the list goes on that I could say with, with the forwards. And just, it, it's been a glaring weakness of Wisconsin that they haven't been able to defend the low post. And part of that, too, is that you know, there's just, I think, a lack of confidence, too, at points. Wisconsin still leads the Big Ten scoring defense, but if you break down their numbers against the bottom half of the league and the top half of the league, I mean, it's pretty telling that, that Wisconsin just, this isn't as good of a defensive team as we've seen in past years or even last year. And I think that's been one of the disappointing things, too. They haven't been that locked in for a full 40 minutes yet on that end. Right, and I think it's going to be... Uh, I think I think it's there. It's available. Like that, they have the players there. But you mentioned confidence or whatever's happening. Just you also have 
from progression for, I mean, obviously Luca Garza, you know, he was great last year, and, you know, he's a player of the year candidate this year, and just, you saw what he did against the Badgers just a, a week or two ago, and, and Kobe Coburn, you know, helped transform, he transformed his body, he was imposing as a freshman, and now he's this, you know, you, you saw him physically, he's dominant, and, you know, will be, uh, you know, will be NBA bound uh, whenever he wants to be, so it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's one thing that just, how things have gone this year, you'd think that maybe there'd be more, you know, there'd be better defensive uh, stops or whatnot, and, and they haven't gotten them, especially at times, just certain particular offensive rebounds uh, and, and trying to reel in, uh, you know, and, and players have talked about this during availabilities, and, you know, they, you know they've been very, uh, in my opinion, they've been pretty forthright and, and candid about just what, what's been ailing them on that. So, uh, again, we'll... We'll see what, what comes, you know, starting this weekend against Iowa on Sunday, and if they can try to, you know, if they, you know, if they can stay above 500 in Big Ten play, or, or you know, we'll see just what seeds they draw coming up in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I mean, the the kind of the good thing is is that this Iowa game doesn't mean a heck of a lot. I mean, I, I think Wisconsin's pretty much locked into a six, seven, eighth seed in the NCAA tournament somewhere in there. I think they're going to be a six or at worst a seven seed in the Big Ten tournament. So I mean, it it's kind of is what it is. You nice you like to see them have a, a a better game where they can come out and and play well and sustain it. You know, against the first game against Iowa, they were down ten points within three four minutes. I thought against Purdue they had a great start and they had the opportunity to kind of maybe extend it out a little bit. But then they went cold for a long stretch of time. Uh, I mean, it's the scoring droughts of Wisconsin. You know, I remember these Badger teams of, of past years that when something's not working from the perimeter, you would have a guy that can just put his head down, get into the lane, draw some fouls, and, and get to the rim and, and get to the free throw line. Wisconsin hasn't done that. Then they did a little bit against Purdue because the second half turned into a whistle fest. And as I mentioned earlier, they were 16 of 21 from the line. That's the most free throws they have made and attempted since they won at Rutgers on January 15th. So it's been a long time since Wisconsin has has been at the free throw line a lot. Now part of that too is they have been playing from behind a lot and teams haven't followed them, but you know, it's just one of those things where they don't have those guards that are just willing to put their head down and, and charge into the rim. Other than maybe Jonathan Davis, who's starting to click it in a little bit, and I think that's encouraging for Wisconsin. Yeah, I think that's a big thing where, you know, it, it's one of those where if you can have, like, you know, you've seen Davidson at times, Davidson at times drive and, and try to draw a foul there. Um, sometimes you'll see Trice do that, um, but I think the one that, you know, the, you know perhaps the, the one that shows his athleticism the most is Jonathan Davis, and you and obviously he's still a freshman, and he's going to, his body will still continue to grow for next season and, and beyond uh, and whatnot, but, you know, I think that when you can get it inside and those three-pointers aren't hitting. And like I said, too, I think maybe another thing to discuss is just how wide open those three, three-pointers have been, at least maybe half of them, uh, where it's, it's, that's been you know, intriguing. They just haven't hit them. They haven't hit those shots. But, you know, when you have someone like Jonathan Davis, who, I gosh, I only watched one basketball game of his in person, and that was last year, uh, against uh, Menahaha Academy, which boasted... You, know, you have the, the, one of the top players in the 2021 class in Chet Holmgren, but also the t- Jalen Suggs, who's tearing it up at Gonzaga right now. You know, Ben and Caden Johnson, the Wisconsin uh, outside linebacker, they were all playing that game, and, and he had 
Five feet, yeah, like over 40 points, and you saw just what he could do, go inside, shoot a little bit outside, get to the free throw line. He he did a lot, uh, and I think that's, you know, you're seeing early on, I mean, you know, when I asked him, what, about two, three weeks ago when he, uh, when Wisconsin made him available, just, well, what did he, you know, like, you know, I asked him this, when did you feel that you had that moment that, hey, I'm going to be able to contribute or provide, you know, provide to this rotation? And he said, I always thought that, you know, heading in. And I was like, okay. You know, there wasn't like a moment that during a scrimmage or, or you know, worked out in the summer, you know, he just felt he would. Um, and so uh, that confidence would be there. It would be interesting to see if, how much they rely upon him or, you know, you see someone like Demetri Trice try to take over like he does too. But, um, you know, I, I do, you know, I, I guess Ben, for you, just you see those those threes, and you know, you, know, you and me and Raul will we'll talk about it during the games. But you know, what do you think with, with what's ailing them three point wise in your eyes? In terms of, I mean, you're, you've seen the open looks, and that to me, like you know, that means they're they're making the right passes, they're making the right reads, and the defense is lapsing, and you're seeing a good chunk of these shots being open. Just you know, what what goes into that shooting that they're not hitting? I think it's all about what's between the years, Jake. Can you be honest with you? I mean, it's the the schemes have been fine. The coaching has been fine. Now, all these people coming out of the woodwork and saying that guards should be fired again, I think, are are crazy. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, I mean, Greg Gard was the Big Ten Coach of the Year last year and has done some really good things with the program. But I guess that's a story for another day. Guard's not going anywhere. So if you're listening to this podcast, right. waiting for me to give you the hot board of coaching candidates, it's not going to happen. Uh, I I think it's. And, and Greg has said best, he can't, and Bo also said this too, you can't yell players into making shots. And we, we don't see practices anymore uh, that was pre-pandemic too, so we don't know how they're shooting in practice. But players say they're shooting well in practice, there's confidence in practice. There's just something from the practice floor to the game floor that has changed how some players are, are shooting. Demetri Trice, not so much. Demetri Trice has the confidence, and, and, and he's been playing fairly well. And even when he's not hitting, he still finds other ways to contribute with his assists and low turnovers. A lot of these guys are just stuck offensively and haven't been able to really get going in that regard, and that's kind of carried over to lapses on the defensive end. So I think at some points they're rushing, that's been a big problem, especially at the rim. Uh, they, they really rushed around the rim against Michigan and Iowa, and that caused them to miss a ton of easy looks at the rim. So it just is all kind of you know, like a house of cards. It's all kind of falling down on, on each other because those three-point shots, those open three-point shots, aren't being made. And I think that's the most frustrating thing because you can drop all the great plays in the world. You can do all the right X's and O's to get players in the right spots. But at the end of the day, it comes down to making shots, and Wisconsin just hasn't made enough of them. That having said, like you said, they can easily get hot, see a different team other than a Big Ten jersey. Maybe that's going to be good for them in, in a couple weeks in the NCAA tournament. But you know, this team has been preaching all along that, hey, in March – you know, we can if we play with this type of effort and intensity that we played with against Purdue, it can take us places. Well, that's all well and good, but you still got to make shots at the end of the day. And and frankly, I, after this team being so cold for two months, I just I can't see any type of sustained run come up here next weekend in Indianapolis in the Big Ten tournament, and the following week in the NCAA tournament also in Indianapolis. So. I've been wrong before, and I'll gladly be wrong again, but 
my confidence level in this team just isn't that high going into this tournament. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's just, um, you know, and like I said, they, they can catch a streak, and but we, like I said, the, the consistency and just being able to show that repeatedly, I think, is something else that uh, they need to they need to demonstrate. It's more of a show me moment now um, and, and whatnot. But it's yeah, it, again, it's, it, the Big Ten is you know the toughest conference in my eyes. Uh, you know, and obviously we've covered the Big Ten for years now, Ben. So. Yeah, we we have a hint of bias, but uh, with the conference, but I do feel like this year, you know, this year is the tough, tough, and you're just seeing it week in, week out. Uh, and in Wisconsin, you know, like you said, like they've held up at times, but they just, you know, they they've wilted, they've wilted, or they just get, you know, they get down by that, and they can't uh, shoot themselves out of, out of the hole. So again, I, I'm I am excited to see what they can do. Uh, I'm, I'm an internal optimist that way, where in this scene, like it's not just them, but other teams just. How this tournament plays out, where they, you know, we've seen what they can do, but um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting just uh, how it all plays out. Wisconsin, yeah, picked the wrong Big Ten season to struggle shooting uh, with how many guys are, in, or how many teams are in the top of the net rankings and, and the AP poll and the metrics and all that. I mean, the Big Ten is going to be well represented in the tournament with a lot of high seeds. Um, Jake, let me get you out of here this one. What do you got coming up on Badger Blitz? I know you just spoke to Isaiah Loudermilk about the Wisconsin's Pro Day come up here next week. Yeah, no, we're still, you know, John and I are still working the recruiting lines. Uh, John McNamara, our, our publisher and uh, editor, recruiting analyst, you know, we're still looking at, you see a bunch of offers that have been going out uh, recently, and we're trying, we're working the phones, working the, you know, DMs, trying to uh, get, the, you know, get the latest interviews there. Also, uh, but like you mentioned, I talked to Isaiah Loudermilk earlier today on Thursday afternoon. Uh, he's got about 9% body fat, he told me. Uh, he's about 15, 25. 15, 20 pounds lighter, feeling explosive. I'll have that article up this weekend at some point talking about his journey. He's out in California. You can just, you can feel the sunshine when you talk to him, if that makes sense. <laughs> just uh, very much enjoying the, the warm weather and, the, you know, he's up to train hard. Uh, he sounds like, you know, he's in a good place for, for pro day coming up uh, in terms of health, too. And so that's going to be really good. Um, to, you know, we won't be able to see pro day, unfortunately, uh, from what I've heard. Uh, but, uh, it will be interesting just to see how uh, he does. Uh, we also talked to, I talked to Garrett Groshek and who was the other, Mason Saki yesterday. So uh, we'll have articles up and down. I'm slated to talk to John Dietzen uh, coming up tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night on Friday to get, you know, talk about him and his path uh, as he's training too. Uh, and hopefully we're going to grab a couple others and just kind of just do a series, just where they've been training, just how, you know, the shape that they're in, what they're hoping for, who they've talked to. Uh, Mason Stockton told me he talked to, you know, 14 teams at the uh, College Gridiron Showcase, which is an all-star event down in, uh, I think it was Texas this year. So you had that. Uh, so, he, you know, obviously you've seen fullbacks make a renaissance in the NFL. So, you know, there's a lot going on, and, and we'll, I'll be delivering those articles coming up in the next couple, uh, couple of days uh, as we look at the pro day. Yeah, look for those at BadgerBlitz.com. Jake Kosarowski, the eternal optimist joins the podcast this week. Jake, thanks a lot. We will talk to you soon. We'll read your stuff on BadgerBlitz.com. Thanks, brother. Y'all take care. That is our podcast for this week. My thanks to Jake Kosarowski for hopping on, giving a different opinion so you can listen to someone other than me 
talk about what's ailing Wisconsin. You can follow Jake on Twitter at JakeKOCO. You can follow me on Twitter at the Badger Nation. And as always, log on to BadgerBlitz.com for all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting. We'll talk to you Sunday from Iowa City. Hopefully it is a good day for Wisconsin. Hopefully the Badgers can finally get some momentum on their side head into the postseason. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe out there. And as always, thank you for listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.